Hey, Rain City. Uh, we've always wanted to be a different kind of church, a church that is radically generous, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of some of the most marginalized and vulnerable people, both locally and globally. One of the biggest ways that we've done this is by continuing to keep our overhead and operations costs low. Uh, we do that by not owning a building and keeping our budgets lean and mean so that it gives us the ability to give away 20% of our budget every year. And just to give you some context, that's twice the amount that the average American church gives away. We believe that God's kingdom is not made up of buildings or brick and mortar. We believe that it is made up of people, diverse, beautiful, magnificent people, all of them who bear the image of the same God, the God who calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And today, we get another tangible and practical opportunity to do that. Today, we're kicking off our annual Rainmakers campaign, where we get to flex our generosity muscles and make a huge difference in the lives of people here, near, and far. We've been doing this every single year since my wife and I started this church in, 20, uh, in 2011. And your generosity continues to make a significant impact in our world through our Rainmakers Projects Fund and our partners at Charity Water, Water for Good, and All God's Children International. Through the next few weeks, uh, we'll get to hear stories of how your generosity is literally changing nations around the world, not just individual lives, but also nations. And today we get to kick off this series by hearing from Holland Frazier. Holland is the president of All God's Children International, who's a longtime partner of Rain City Church. And I recently got to sit down with her as she shared some incredibly encouraging stories of how your generosity has made such a huge difference, especially during a global pandemic. Well, thanks, Holland, for being with us. And I know that so much has happened in the last year with the incredible work that AGCI is doing. And can you give us like just a little snapshot of some of the incredible things that are happening? Oh, man, yes. And first, I just want to thank you. I want to thank Rain City Church. You know, um, last year, the end of the year giving that you were so generous to all God's children with, it really did allow us to continue programs and services that might have been impacted otherwise. So I just huge, huge heartfelt thanks um, just to the continued generosity of the church. It really touched a lot of children's and families' lives. Um, but as far as the work this last year, it's been really neat to see our Child Advocacy Center that you guys know we launched three years ago in the country of Columbia, um, where we really started through that model of focusing on family preservation, elevating care in institutions, adoption, and then aging out support for kids, um, and then kind of overarching the policy work that surrounds that. What we got to see this year was really going in another level to the deeper restorative healing work through those programs. What that really looks like, I feel like is best described in the story of Jonathan. Um, this was a little boy that we met when he was around three years old. Jonathan, um, his mom was on drugs, and he came into the child welfare system with um, his brother and sister when he was three. At four, there was a family that came forward to adopt them all together. 
They came to Columbia and sadly after just a day with Jonathan, brought him back to the orphanage and said, we're going to adopt his siblings, but not adopt him. Um, so here's this little baby who's lost his birth mother. Now he's losing his siblings. And you can imagine um, the behaviors he started displaying from those deep traumas and losses in his life. And so over the next uh, two years, he moves to two other different institutions. Um, and then finally another family stepped forward and said, we're gonna bring him home. Well, that family travels to Columbia, spends three days with Jonathan and sadly brings him back to the orphanage and says his behaviors are too, too much for us to handle. So this little guy um, has now, as of today, he has um, visited or spent time in seven different institutions, two of them being mental institutions for children um, zero to 18. And for us, which is the exciting work that's happened this last year in Columbia, is for Jonathan, all that people saw were these behaviors, but they couldn't see his needs behind the behaviors. So they couldn't see what the impact of this complex trauma that he had experienced, how that was affecting his brain, his body, his biology and belief system. And so what we've really invested in this last year through all of our programs is going deeper into that restorative, holistic approach of bringing healing to children and families. And what is super neat about it is like today, Jonathan, he finally has been moved to a orphanage where we did um, one of our first trust-based relational intervention, which is this intervention model that brings this deeper healing work to children. I can get emotional thinking about it, but right before COVID, hit, our team was in Columbia and they were at that orphanage and um, one of our staff members called me from Columbia and she was just in tears, Jesse, and she said, Holland, I am here and I just walked into a room and Jonathan was having this meltdown and I literally watched as this, this caregiver was on her knees, eye level to eye level gently caressing his cheek, rocking him. And I looked at her and she looks at this other caregiver and says, go get him water, go get him a snack. And she's rocking him to try to get that regulation to his body and she's giving him words and she's empowering him. And, and she said, I just watched him completely regulate himself. And it's one little guy and it's one story, but for us, that is such the image of that First, it's the image of Jesus, how he just never gives up on us, how he heals through connection, he heals through relationship, and what we see when we look at this cycle of orphans, and we've really dissected that, I feel like, in the last five years. You know, children, they're in a vulnerable family, they get displaced, they grow up in these institutions, they age out, they have kids, and it's like this cycle. Mm -hmm. But really, the deeper root of that cycle is the trauma this generational trauma cycle that we're being seen just get passed down and down and down. So what's been the neat piece of this last year in Columbia is we have watched now as where we started these trainings and like really going deeper, it has literally caught fire within the country. We are now seeing complete systems start to change. We have changed all of the laws throughout the entire country on how caregiving will be given to every child. So let me just, 
I mean, that, can you say that one more time? Because that, I think, is so incredible. Because I, I think sometimes we think of this work as so um, sort of sniper focused. It's like, oh, there's a home here, or there's this thing happening here, or there's in regions, or things like that. But the work that you guys are doing in Colombia has been adopted by the federal government. Yes, it, yes, not only adopted, but different laws completely changed um, that are making their way all the way to the grassroots level of how kids are receiving care. It is, I will tell you, Jesse, this is my 25th year with All God's Children. I have never, ever seen the momentum of what has happened in the country of Colombia happen anywhere in the world. And um, what they ended up doing in the law is they said, depending on the level of implementation of trauma-informed care that an institution does, is the level in which the federal government will fund that institution. Mm -hmm. So now there's this incentive um, for them to actually implement so that they can be funded. And so that like that image of seeing Jonathan getting rocked and like cared for and connected to by this caregiver who now has also been empowered with the knowledge and the tools that Jonathan wasn't just having a meltdown, but really this is what's happening in his brain and his body. And these are the tools you can give him to learn to heal and be empowered and regulate himself. It's top down. So it's top down, but down up. So we have this grass level movement as we have the government supporting it. And it's unbelievable. Um, we were on a call just last week where now we have the, the government in Guatemala. The central authority there is asking for us to come in and start training and telling them what, have, what we've done in Colombia. And so we're starting to actually see not only this advocacy model go to a national level, we're now even seeing the impacts start to come to the surface regionally. I mean, that, that is incredible to see the level of impact that you guys are having in, uh, in and through a federal government that is now incentivizing this kind of care. Is, that's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I know that um, last year, we, we've done, the last several years, we, we've, we've really um, supported the work that you guys are doing in that pilot program that you started in Columbia through the Dream Home. Mm -hmm. Um, could you give us a little bit more of an update on that as well? Absolutely. The idea behind that home was always that we would prove the model and then we would see others like scale it, that the government said, yes, we're going to partner with you to scale it. And so it's just two years old this summer, I think was our second anniversary. And um, there's now nine additional homes that have been launched outside of AGCI, which that is just exciting to see that we've kind of started setting this path for others to follow for these older, you know, young people that are aging out. As things progress, and essentially as you've proven the model mm -hmm. in Colombia, I know that you guys are looking at expanding that mm -hmm. into other countries. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that looks like in the future? Yeah, so we are full steam ahead to be launching our advocacy center next year in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Um, we've really, our learnings from Colombia have had us really take some deep dives into some of our planning for Ethiopia, especially with looking at launching this model of care. So we will be basically inverting the model for Ethiopia. So where all of the programs that we have in Colombia with partners or with us on the ground, we're 
really looking at having an actual building, like a physical location, um, which all of that work will stem out of. So the primary role of this home is going to be reunifying children with their families, um, especially because of COVID-19. We are seeing a startling number of children being displaced from their families a lot due to food scarcity. So you have these families that when you're up in northern Ethiopia, a lot are working in the fields. There's now with locusts and I mean a lot of things, there's no food. So families are sending their kids into the cities, hoping they can find work. They're vulnerable. They're falling, a lot of the girls, like for the first time this year, I, we got reports from the government that there's prostitution now with girls as young as eight in Northern Ethiopia, which is an incredibly um, uh, uh, orthodox area of the country. I mean, I've been going to Ethiopia for 15 years, never heard child prostitution being an issue in that country, like on that scale, and it's happening. And so what- I think, j just, sorry, just, I mean, just to like bring it home, especially for our community is, my daughter is eight years old. Harper is an Ethiopian eight-year-old girl. So just to give a little bit of context to people who are watching this, I know sometimes it's easy for us to think about people who are far away, but just to let that sink in for the people who are watching. And speaking of eight, not to jump to a, a different subject, but there was an eight-year-old, which is one of the reasons why we're launching this reunification home in Addis Ababa. Um, her family, were, they sent this, their eight-year-old daughter to the city, Addis, to live with her aunt. They believed that she was going to be educated in the city. But the aunt, and you know the complexities of the households in, in Ethiopia, usually if you have children from other marriages or especially a niece or nephew, they're more the child slaves of the home. But this family sent her to the aunt thinking she's going to school. Well, that wasn't the case. She was given you know, the cot and she was cooking and cleaning and serving and then the uncle was sexually abusing her. So this little eight-year-old girl leaves the house goes to the streets thinking she's somehow gonna make her way back to her family, but doesn't even have the words to know where she lives. It was hearing her story and then meeting with the government when we were really trying to wrestle and go, Ethiopia is not Colombia. There's a lot of infrastructure in Colombia. It is non-existent in Ethiopia. So what we knew is when we entered Ethiopia, we didn't wanna do it till we felt we really um, were in tune with like a model that not only would work, and meet the needs that we're seeing on the ground but that could be scaled. Because everything we're doing, we're really challenging ourselves. Like, yes, it's awesome to help 30 kids here or 40 kids there, but there's 8 million children living in institutions today. There are way more than that, families vulnerable where just atrocities are happening. So we wanna think big and believe God for the big, right? We serve a really big God and we wanna believe him for really big things. So anyway, um, looking at this eight-year-old little girl, being able to help reunify her with the family, but it's more than just the reunification. Now you have all this like trauma that just happened. So how do we work with the family and her with the tools that we have so we can actually bring healing to what happened? So we really wanna step in, collect the data 
on like the outcomes of these families and children. So that's our family preservation piece. For kids that cannot be reunified, we want to look at domestic adoption opportunities with the local church. And then also on the aging outside, for kids that can't be reunified, getting them into college, getting them into a vocational training program so that we're supporting them to kind of break that cycle and be able to be successful with their own families one day. So it's really inverting that model all out of one home. We have really, really appreciated that you, uh, your organization really does what you say you do mm -hmm. and that you really do the work around making sure that this is ethical. We, we all want them to be able to stay with their biological families that is the best thing for those kids and then in the you know in in the cases when it's not there are other options but we are all working to make sure to try to make that happen and i just want to tell you i am so grateful for you i'm so grateful for agci i know that you're doing very difficult work and that in an, in a particularly difficult year and season and just know that we as a church are behind you and we pray for you and we support you uh, and the whole organization. So thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you, Jesse. And again, thank you. Huge thank you to Rain City Church. Seeing the movement and what's happening and what God is doing. I know that I know that I know it would not be possible without the long-term support that Rain City has given to AGCI and what it's actually leveraged and allowed us to do and accomplish. And we're seeing it just expand. So I look forward to keeping you guys all up to date on what happens and what God does and continues to do. But huge thank you. We're very, very grateful. As you've just heard, your generosity is truly making a significant impact. Not just in the lives of individuals, but entire countries are changing the way that they support orphaned, marginalized, and vulnerable children, and that is a direct result of your financial support. So thank you. And this year, we wanna keep that going. This year, our Rainmaker's goal is $125,000 that goes, that's above and beyond regular giving. And it will all go to making a difference in the lives of people here, near, and far. Here's how that number breaks down. 50,000 of that will go to orphan care and clean water projects. First money out the door goes to these projects. We wanna continue advancing our work with All God's Children International. We do this so we can help orphans find forever families and to provide long-term sustainable in-country care for orphaned children. And also because millions of people around the world still don't have local access to something as simple as clean and safe drinking water. So we continue to support water projects in rural Ethiopia and Central African Republic through our partners at Charity Water and Water for Good. The next initiative is $25,000 to the Rainmakers Projects. Uh, these Rainmakers Projects provide funding for active Rain City Church members to fund projects or ministries for the purpose of benevolence, for the purpose of missions, community outreach, benefits, and world relief efforts. And then finally, the final $50,000 and any overage goes to the ongoing ministry of Rain City Church. Because without a, a healthy financial foundation, none of this miraculous and life-changing work would be possible. This incredible community continues to make a significant and lasting impact right here in our church family, in our immediate community, and also around the world. 
Any giving that exceeds our goal will go back to fund the incredible ministries right here at Rain City Church. There are five easy ways to give to this year's Rainmakers campaign. Uh, the first one is you can give now at the attached link below, raincitychurch.com give, or through the app. It only takes about 10 seconds to set up and you simply select the Rainmakers Fund and you make your gift. The second way is by giving stocks and securities. You can simply download the donation form at the attached link, fill it out, and send it in to giving at raincitychurch.com and we'll make sure that you're set. The third way is through corporate matching. A Rain City Church is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we're also a certified charity registered with the Benevity Corporate Causes platform. So ask your employer about your corporate gift matching program, and you can double your donation with matching funds from Benevity.com. Fourth is an easy way. It's Amazon Gives Back. You can support Rain City Church uh, when you shop online through the Amazon Smile program. So just go to smile.amazon.com and select Rain City Church. And then the fifth way is just the good old-fashioned way you can mail a check. You can send in your gift uh, with Rainmakers in the memo line to the church office at the address on the screen or it's in the description below. Thank you for continuing to show radical generosity, especially in a year where it would be much easier to only think of ourselves and our lives. But you continue to put others first. If you're watching this message with your digital community, uh, now's the time that you can discuss these questions together. What encouraged me the most from today's service? What is one thing that we can do to care for our neighbors this week? Now take some time to pray for one another and for the work that All God's Children International is doing around the world. Thanks for listening to the Rain City Church podcast. We love that our community exists for so many, not just in the greater Seattle area, but around the world. Please push subscribe and feel free to share our content. And for any more questions or to get more involved, check out our website at raincitychurch.com. We hope to see you to Sunday soon.